Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you'll give them a call. The website is johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. We've got a terrific show for you today here on this uh, Christmas Eve Eve. Uh, also featuring William Yateman, Senior Legal Fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation. We'll also be visiting with Dr. Chad Savage, the founder of the Your Choice Direct Care Program. And we'll be talking about health care simple as streaming. And Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture and author of many books, his latest, uh, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries, My Life uh, by Design. It is December the 23rd, and on this day in 1972, the Pittsburgh Steelers beat the Oakland Raiders 13-7 on a rookie running back, Franco Harris. His immaculate reception, it was called, touchdown in the waning seconds of a playoff game, one of the greatest plays in NFL history. Between 1933 and 1972, the Steelers were lovable losers, playing in only one postseason game, a 21-0 loss to Philadelphia Eagles in the 1947 Eastern Division playoffs. In 1972, the Steelers put together a rare winner, finishing the regular season with an 11-3 one-loss record and winning the AFC Central Division to set up the playoff showdown with the Raiders in Pittsburgh. After a scoreless first half, the Steelers built a 6-0 lead on field goals by Roy Gerrera, but with less than two minutes left, Oakland's quarterback Ken Stabler, the snake, remember him, scored on a 30-yard scramble. The extra point gave uh, Oakland a 7-6 lead. Pittsburgh's season appeared to be over on the 4th and 10 from the 40-yard line with 22 seconds left and no timeouts. Steeler quarterback Terry Bradshaw, under pressure, threw a pass towards Frenchie Fruqua at uh, Oakland's 35-yard line. Defensive back Jack Tatum crushed crashed into Fuqua, apparently hitting the football, which ricocheted towards Harris, who caught it just inches off the turf and ran down the sideline for a 60-yard touchdown. The miraculous score touched off a wild celebration by the Steelers fans. After review, officials kept the original touchdown call. The play remains controversial. If the ball had hit Fuqua last, the touchdown would have been declared an incomplete pass according to NFL rules at the time. Pittsburgh radio play-by-play broadcaster Jack Fleming's call of the play became famous. Bradshaw's running out of the pocket looking for somebody to throw to, fires down the field, and there's a collision, and it happened. It caught in the air. The ball is pulled in by Franco Harris. Harris is going to be uh, for a touchdown for Pittsburgh. The following week, the Steelers lost to the undefeated Miami Dolphins in the American Football Conference Championship game in Pittsburgh, but the Steelers lost Losers, most of their uh, existence became a powerhouse in the 70s, winning four Super Bowls. Unbelievable. Uh, The story is so interesting to me because this happened in 1972. And at age 72, rookie Franco Harris uh, died this week at age 72. A great football player and uh, certainly a leader on his team during the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, Florida Supreme Court granted Governor Ron DeSantis a freak, uh, request to impanel a statewide grand jury to investigate mRNA vaccine manufacturers. DeSantis announced earlier in December his petition for a statewide grand jury to investigate any and all wrongdoing in Florida with respect to the COVID-19 vaccine manufacturers. It's against the law to mislead and to misrepresent, particularly when you're talking about the efficacy of a drug, DeSantis said. The statewide grand jury will be allowed to investigate groups involved in the design, development, clinical testing, marketing, and distribution of vaccines said to prevent COVID-19 infection, symptoms, and transmission. It will be impaneled for one year. DeSantis' petition argued that there was a widespread belief that the COVID-19 vaccine prevented the disease from spreading, which led to vaccine mandates on citizens, healthcare workers, and military members. It is impossible to imagine so many influential individuals came into this view on their own. Rather, it's likely that individuals and companies with incentives to do so created these perceptions for financial gain, the petition said. 
The petition uh, specifically pointed out Moderna and Pfizer's claims about preventing COVID-19 disease with 94.1% efficacy and 91.3% vaccine efficacy. Earlier in December, DeSantis also announced that a public health integrity committee will be established. The board will advise the public and provide oversight moving forward on the public health establishment. Uh, he also said that we, we're doing this because you can't just trust what anything coming out of the CDC. I'm paraphrasing. Florida Surgeon General Joseph Ladapo has previously spoken out about the mRNA COVID-19 vaccine, saying they are far less safe than other vaccines based on the autopsy-based clinical research in cardiology studies. In October, Ladapo announced a new mRNA COVID-19 vaccine guidance advising against males aged 18 to 39 years old from taking the vaccines due to due to its reported 84% increase in the relative incidence of heart-related deaths. Ladapo also warned that the risks of vaccinating healthy children with no underlying conditions, the Surgeon General questioned the CDC on Twitter. This is a great move forward, and I think this will be helpful not only for people here in Florida, but also across the country. These drug manufacturers and the messages surrounding them should be investigated, because right now we know that uh, the vaccine doesn't prevent covid uh, we also know the vaccine doesn't, uh, in fact, we're finding out that more people who've been vaccinated, they have a higher incidence of COVID than those who have not been vaccinated. So stay tuned. I think what uh, the state of Florida under DeSantis is doing is a great thing. After his major win on Election Day, Governor DeSantis had this to say, We have embraced freedom. We've maintained law and order. We've protected the rights of parents. We've respected our taxpayers, and we reject woke ideology. We fight the woke in the, in the legislature. We fight the woke in schools. We fight the woke in corporations. We will never, ever surrender to the woke mob. Florida is where woke goes to die. And I think that represents a large part of the success that we've seen in Florida under Governor DeSantis' leadership. Well, the fiscal hero of the year is Rand Paul of Kentucky. He pointed out the other day in a Senate floor statement that if Florida or if Congress would simply return to the pre-pandemic level of government spending, we'd have a balanced budget. Can you believe that? The Committee to Unleash Prosperity ran the numbers. Sure enough, if Congress did what they, he suggests, we wouldn't have a $1.2 trillion deficit this year, but rather a $200 billion surplus, green, not red ink, even if we adjusted the 2019 budget for inflation, we'd still be saving almost $1 trillion. This might seem inconceivable that Congress would return to pre-pandemic spending levels, but this would only be following the historical president precedent. When a crisis is over, we cut the budget and run surpluses. That was true after the Revolutionary War, the Civil War, wars, uh, World Wars I and II, and the Great Depression, and the Cold War. Instead... On Capitol Hill, in both parties, we've just completed the biggest budget bender and blunder in modern times. So let's put a lump of coal in the stockings of uh, the people that made this happen. Also, this is what, what they did. The Senate passed a massive $1.7 trillion government spending bill, 68 to 29, on Thursday, allowing it to pass to the floor, House before Friday's deadline. The massive $1.7 trillion spending bill will provide funding to Congress and their pet projects through September, preventing the incoming GOP-led Congress to control the purse strings of the U.S. government. It also allow lawmakers to be able to get home in time for the holidays. That's important. Axios writes, now of course this liberal uh, outlet, that the passage is, is a success for the 116th Congress, and it will fund the government through September and therefore prevent spending struggles when Republicans take control of the House in January. The American people voted for Republicans to lead the House, but instead, Democrats will see the initiatives funded nearly halfway through the next congressional term. Fortunately, both senators from Florida, Senator Scott and Senator Rubio, voted against the bill, as is, I think, uh, most, uh, most of the congressmen from Florida. It's just really sad to think that uh, somehow the people speak, uh, they bring people into Congress, they win the election, and they don't, 
say it's just one it just continues just the way it's been all the all the while so so uh disheartening well american car companies the auto companies are going green and they've stopped uh, soon stopping production of gas-fueled cars as they shift to electric vehicles only about 6% of cars sold in America today are EVs, electric vehicles, and polls show that about half of Americans don't want them. But Ford and GM are listening to the Sierra Club and not to their customers. This is going to flop, much like when Ford tried to get Americans to buy Edsel's. Remember uh, Ford's son, Edsel, and they named the car for him. They did a lot of research, and it just bombed. It did not sell at all. For youngsters, that was the 1950s car that nobody wanted. But at least someone gets it. I, I, Akio Toyota, the president and grandson of the founder of the giant Japanese car company, is going to buck the trend. People involved in the auto industry aren't largely a silent majority. That silent majority is wondering whether EVs are really okay to have a single option, but they think it's a trend so they can't speak out low, loudly, he told reporters. I believe we need to be realistic about what society will be able to fully adopt a battery uh, va electric vehicle, and frankly, EVs are not the only way to achieve the world's carbon neutrality goals, and I would just parenthetically add uh, that are pretty much the premise of them are kind of stupid, but sad that the Japanese understand American car buyers better than the executives in Detroit. So much for buying American. I will uh, not own an electric vehicle. They're, they're great. I've ridden in them. They're a lot of fun. Uh, but unless you're using it just as a second car to kind of scoot around the city, uh, I don't think they'd be very reliable. Uh, it's going to—they actually use more uh, electricity, and electricity, of course, is produced by coal. So the whole premise of this thing is kind of crazy. Well, life expectancy for Americans born in 2021 was just 76.4 years, the lowest. In a quarter century, according to new data from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the life expectancy was down 0.6 years from 2020 and 2.4 years from 2019. That's a lot. It's also not been so low since 1996 when it was 76.1 years. Males continue to pass the trend. Born in 2021 have a lower life expectancy than females. 73.5 years compared to 79.3 years, males' life expectancy decreased slightly more than females, pushing the gap between the sexes to 5.8 years. Nine of the top leading causes of death in 2021 remained same as in 2020. Influenza and uh, pneumonia exited the top 10, replaced by chronic liver disease and cirrhosis. So that indicates an indication of more alcohol consumption. The total causes of death are heart disease, number one, cancer, COVID-19, unintentional injuries, stroke, chronic lower respiratory diseases, Alzheimer's disease, diabetes, chronic liver disease and cirrhosis, and kidney disease. Deaths attributed to COVID-19, where 19 was listed as the underlying cause, increased by about 19% to 416,893 in 2021, despite the introduction of COVID vaccines. COVID-19 was behind 12% of the 3.4 million resident deaths in the United States. Heart disease and cancer killed more people, according to the CDC. The lower life expectancy was largely because of increased in mortality due to COVID-19, unintentional injuries, chronic liver disease and cirrhosis, suicide and homicide. That according to researchers. Uh, sources for the data are death certificates filed across 50 states. They don't mention anything about uh, the uh, sudden adult death syndrome or uh, what may be caused by the vaccines. Uh, those those are not listed here, which I think, uh, oh, by the way, drug overdose deaths soared in 2021 compared to 2020, contributing to the jump in overall mortality and lower life expectancy. This segment of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. I hope you visit the website, johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Life in Naples magazine. Be in the know and stay up to date by reading Life in Naples. The website is lifeinnaples.net. Coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow at Pacific Legal Foundation. That and more right here in the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> 
tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. I'm Bob Harden, the host of the Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Collier County Sheriff Kevin Rambaugh says the number one reason the elderly become victims is isolation. The Collier Senior Center goes a long way in keeping seniors connected with the community and with each other. The Collier Senior Center, located at 4898 Coronado Parkway in Golden Gate, provides comprehensive information regarding services and resources that affect the quality of life of older adults and their caregivers in Collier County, empowering them to maintain independent and meaningful lives. Here's Esther Lully, director of Collier Senior Center. Everyone, every senior is welcome. There's diversity there. It's vibrant. It's a caring atmosphere. So there's a reason we offer the services and programs that we do. We want to help enrich the lives of senior members and provide support to their caregivers. Want to find out more? Visit CollierSeniorCenter.org. That's CollierSeniorCenter.org. Or call the Collier Senior Center at 239-252-4541. That's 252 252- 4541 Welcome back to the Bob Harton show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Golf Shore Playhouse. Bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best, and you can find out more and get tickets by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with Dr. Chad Savage. He's the founder of Your Choice Direct Care. Right now, we have with us William Yateman. He is a senior legal fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation. William, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on, Bob. Always a pleasure, William. Tell us about the Pacific Legal Foundation. You bet. We're a legal nonprofit, and we defend Americans in court from government overreach and abuse. A worthy mission indeed. So, William, we, uh, on our calls weekly, we talk about what's happening on Capitol Hill. And I don't know about you, but I'm so disheartened by passage of this so-called bipartisan $1.7 trillion spending bill. What are your thoughts? Oof. It is an abomination, um, both as a, a matter of substance and a matter of process. Um, so, yes, $1.7 trillion is the figure being cited by the, uh, the bill's backers, um, but that actually, through a number of accounting gimmicks, hides about $150 billion. So its true price tag is more like $1.85 trillion. Mm. Um, and as I noted last Friday, this is only discretionary spending. This does not include mandatory spending like Social Security and Medicare. Um, so a big piece of the pie is being left out, which is another, arguably, that's a, another accounting gimmick. Um, and as a matter of deliberation, this thing dropped on Tuesday night, and uh, it passed on Thursday at about 3 p.m. So that means there was about 39 hours of deliberation, all told, you know, including all, you know, overnight. Um, so this is a 4,000-page bill that absolutely no one read. Um, so it's, it really is it, it's just a pox upon Congress. I mean, th- this, alas, is how these bills come to light. Um, leadership intentionally schedules these things to uh, uh, such that the issue is raised right before Christmas. I mean, you know, and then they use the fact that all the lawmakers want to get out of the city um, sort of a, as a major negotiating ploy, if you will, in order yeah. to get them all to sign this bill that they haven't, or you know, sign off on this bill that they haven't read. 
so you know it's it's just depressing um and the extent to which it was bipartisan um yes we we've got no at least in the senate seemingly no will in the gop caucus to rein in spending um mcconnell he defended this bill he, he trumpeted its virtues uh, according to senate uh, minority leader uh, mitch mcconnell um, he said this is a great thing because discretionary spending increases less than inflation. Um, and if you recall, we spoke last week about how the Republicans and Democrats, and this is all behind closed doors, but during negotiations into the run-up of dropping this bill, they were only separated by $25 billion in a $1.85 trillion bill. Yeah. And that is to say that you know, there was no separation between Democrats and Republicans in the Senate on this bill which, as you say, is disheartening. You know, you just think about it and take a step back. Uh, that uh, The po- people spoke. We had elections in the midterm elections. We decided that we wanted to have a more conservative uh, House of Representatives, the keepers of the purse. And uh, what happens? They simply take for half of the time that the people are going to be in Congress, they've now got a bill that is pretty much is the legacy from the old Congress First of all, that just slaps, that's a slap on the face of the American people. But then second of all, our leaders like McConnell, how does he justify going along to get along? I just understand that. You bring up a great point um, regarding, you know, in the 118th Congress, the GOP will will have control of the House of Representatives, one of the two chambers in Congress. That is the will of the American electorate. That calculus never factored in to uh, Senate leadership or Senate GOP leadership's thinking when it came to this bill. Um, and, you know, I, I have no answers. I, you know, I, I have no idea why that would be the case. Um, pres- I guess presumably because they thought uh, uh, the GOP-controlled House would be difficult to deal with. I mean, I guess. But that's fairly defeatist thinking um, as an initial matter. And it's frankly unacceptable. You know, th- this whole kit and caboodle, it's just unacceptable. I mean, it's you know, 39 hours of deliberation. No one reads the bill. Um, negotiated wholly behind closed doors. This is just not how it's supposed to work. No. Um, and unfortunately, it, it does so in a bipartisan manner. I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. It certainly does, and it's kind of back to this one-party system, and it's so defeating for the for the electorate to watch what's happening right now. Uh, it's, they're supposed to be deliberative bodies up there in Washington, D.C. They should have been talking about this for weeks, months, and instead, uh, it's all done in the final minute, in the final hour. Why? So they can get out of town and go enjoy Christmas. <laughs> the- it's un- unbelievable. It is, and I find that galling. And I'll note this. You bring another great point. The Senate, uh, they take pride. It's known as the world's most deliberative body. I mean, they call senators call themselves that all the time. Yeah. And this is the antithesis of that. I mean, they're, they're literally not reading the bills before they pass them. How can that be acceptable? And their only impetus as you know, their only justification is, well, we had to get out of town for Christmas. And I don't want to sound like a Grinch, but they all have homes in D.C. I mean, their families could come to them. That's exactly right. So before I let you go, I'd love to get your comments on what's happening on the border. Oh, on the border? Oh, shoot. The, uh, so this Title 42 measure it was a Trump-era um, immigration control policy. Basically, it allowed border agents to turn away um, people coming into this country, trying to come into this country on health grounds, particularly COVID grounds. So it was set to expire this week. Um, even California Governor Gavin Newsom uh, came out in opposition to the Biden's plans to allow this policy, policy to expire. I mean, that gives you some sort of indication of, of how perhaps unpopular it would be, right. um, even in Democrat-controlled states. But the long and short of it is, it was paused by the Supreme Court um, earlier this week. And what is more... Within the, the, the perhaps it's the only uh, small silver lining to the, what the Senate did this week. Um, they talked into that bill an amendment uh, it, uh, proposed by Senator Sinema out of Arizona that would continue the Title 42 policy as it currently exists um, until Biden comes up with something new. So it, that is to say, um, both legislatively and via the Supreme Court, the Biden administration has effectively dodged a bullet. I mean, that is uh, no doubt the biggest fan of these developments um, was the Biden administration, who basically got to dodge a very difficult political uh, decision. They were caught between the sort of the very pro-immigration element of his base and sort of the more practical-minded centrists. And um, these Supreme Court pause and the legislative pause buys in time. 
Unbelievable. You just can't make this stuff up. William Yateman, again, Senior Legal Fellow at the Pacific Legal Foundation. Pacific Legal, uh, PacificLegal.org is the website, PacificLegal.org. Uh, William, always appreciate your most well-informed and interesting commentary here on the show. I hope you and your family have a wonderful and Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Bob, and I hope you and your family as well have a, a fantastic Christmas and a Happy New Year. Thank you so much, William. All right, coming up, I'm going to visit with Dr. Chad Savage. He's the founder of Your Choice Direct Care. This is so interesting. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. <laughs> Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harton Show here on the Bob Harton Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Finish what you started with the Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. We're providing you news and commentary rooted in a commitment to individual liberty, personal responsibility, limited government, and the rule of law. Coming up, I'm going to visit with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. Right now we have with us Dr. Chad Savage. He's the founder of Your Choice Direct Care. Dr. Savage, thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Morning, Bob. Happy to be on. Thank you so much, Dr. Savage. Tell us about Your Choice Direct Care. Sure. So Your Choice Direct Care is a direct primary care model of medical practice. So it's actually my own personal practice. Uh, uh, their dark primary care practices are a bunch of independent practices that practice a model of medical care. It's not a franchise or anything of that. But it's a concept of medical care that's trying to get away from the rushed, low-quality, and high-cost practice of medicine that's characterized by the governmental insurance company complex that dominates American healthcare. And, um, you know, years ago, a number of us just really got fed up with the practice of medicine that in the way it was going in the United States, five-minute visits, insurance companies tell, tell them, telling the doctors and the patients what medications they could use, who they could refer to, what diagnostic tests could be done. And, and we really, when, you started to, when we started to look into it, what we really realized it was, in fact, how we financed the system that had corrupted it so greatly. Because we give money to these insurance companies, we pay the, the government in, in taxes, and then after taking a large chunk of that money, they turn around and, and, and in theory, give it back to us in the, in the form of a medical benefit. But it's not, uh, first of all, you're definitely not getting dollar for dollar. You're getting a substantial amount of that money that drifts off into the coffers of these companies and the governmental agencies that manage them. Right. But also they put stipulations on it, so they actually control the practice of medicine. Um, so we were trying to get away from that, and we, we determined that in a membership model, kind of analogous to Netflix, a gym membership, or a cell phone bill, that without charge to the patient when they come to see us, 
um, they can see us as much as they want, and, and uh, you know, we don't charge them for the visits. We can dispense medications at cost, and just as a quick example of that, I can give a month's worth of a certain blood pressure medication for 25, under 25 cents for an entire month to my patients, which means, you know, it's less than the cost of a gumball to, to manage your hypertension. Um, and then we get cash pay labs and other things trying to make that better quality of care much, much more affordable. That is so interesting for, for our listeners' benefit who don't take blood pressure medicine. Uh, what would it cost? To, you mentioned 25 cents for a month. What would it cost to go through the system? Oh, geez. Well, you know, again, it very much depends on the medication, but I've actually done a number of talks on that. I know you're down there in Florida, and there's a lot of these type of practices down there. They're all independent. So, again, it's not a franchise, so they're all a little bit different. Um, uh, but if you look at CVS retail costs, the medication I was referring to is right around 30 bucks a month. Wow. So if you think about that, that's 100 times as expensive. So when people think about the upcharges in medicine, they classically think the 10 or 100%. Um, but no, it's actually in the many thousands of percent upcharge on a lot of the services, medications, imaging, and other things in, in, med- in medical care. And it's partly because of the monstrosity of Rude Goldberg apparatus that we have to finance the whole thing. Yeah, just amazing. So, Dr. Savage, if you just take a step back here, it looks like uh, you can go and get uh, insurance. Where our choices mm-hmm. are now more limited because of uh, Obamacare and these and these types of things. But irrespective, uh, you, I think your premise is: look, uh, you come to us, we'll take care of you. We don't go through an insurance company; you just pay us directly. And then, uh, if you need medicine, we can provide that at a great discount. And if you have a problem that you have to go to the hospital or you need an operation, you just carry some uh, carry some uh, uh, catastrophic care uh, coverage. Yep, exactly. I mean, the concept of insurance is to cover for catastrophic financial loss that would ruin you. That is not what we have in the United States. We unfortunately have coverage that covers every ticky-tack expense. But when you do it through that, again, that Rude Goldberg process, it's not a ticky-tack expense. They make something like a urinalysis, which costs about $0.10 cents to perform. Again, right around a $30 charge is a common charge uh, for that 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 process. So so you're nailing the points. The concept is, is get more affordable, better quality medical care for the inexpensive aspects of medical care like primary care that most people could actually, if it was done the way we're, we're discussing, would be actually quite easy to afford for the average person, but then save a ton of money by not overpaying on the coverage. The average uh, family of four is something like $26,000 for an insurance premium right now and then has the deductible atop that, which means before you've ever seen a doctor, you're $26,000 less well off. Well, if you do an alternative coverage product like a health share, um, short-term limited duration, uh, or, you know, you get a high deductible health plan using an HSA, one of these things, you can save thousands and thousands of dollars, um, and and you're better off paying hundreds of dollars for medical services and not paying thousands of dollars for your insurance to pay those hundreds of dollars for that medical service. And my guess, my doctor friends tell me that one of the things they really abhor is having to spend so much time in front of the computer filling out government-mandated programs uh, about their patients as opposed to spending time with their patients. So it's kind of a win-win for you as the doctor as well as the patient. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, admittedly, it was very much a personal motivation why I exited the insurance company model to do this. I was just, it was, you know, doctors believe that this is a calling. Many of us historically have felt so. But once you got into the practice of medicine through the insurance companies, it definitely did not feel like that. And we wasted, you know, our 20s in that sense, you know, doing, you know, sacrificing, you know, giving up many of the best years of our lives. We're young, we're healthy, we're robust. We're instead of out having fun with that, with our youth, we're sitting in libraries, studying away and doing 36 hour shifts, you know, through internship and things of that sort. But the thought is, well, when I'm done, I'm going to do something noble. Well, we've been robbed of that. Once we get out, it doesn't feel like we're doing the calling of medicine. So I felt, um, you know, disenfranchised by that, and I wanted to get that back. Admittedly, I guess that's somewhat of a selfish thing, but we recognize that to do that, to free myself from this ownership that the governmental insurance companies had essentially over my life, we had to find a way of making it attractive and affordable to the patients. Now, the good news is the restoration of the doctor-patient relationship, which I would argue this model restores, 
um, does have an immense value to that patient. We're not widgets going down an assembly line when we go into the medical system. People like that inter- that human interaction, and I'd argue that the human interaction itself has a healing aspect to it. Yeah. So that's very much restored um, by this uh, by this practice. And then we try to make it financially viable uh, for people too. And the system is so broken right now that making the claim that we can make it both higher quality and more cost effective seems outlandish. But since it's the starting point is so poor with the current system, actually both can be fairly relatively easily accomplished. And just for our pay, uh, listeners' benefit, uh, how long have you been uh, doing your choice direct care? Yep. So I, I uh, was one of the first in the state of Michigan. I'm up here in Michigan. Now, I will say you guys are hot by the DPC down there, direct primary care. If you go to a, a website like dpcfrontier.com, there's a mapper, and you'll see that, that there are there's our stars all over the map for the state of Florida. So there's a lot of practices like my own down there for people who are interested. I was one of the first in the state of Michigan. I started in, in 2015. So we're, uh, you know, beyond seven years that we've been doing this up wow. here, and, and it's been a great success and, and really transformed my life. And another way to get government out of our lives, which is, is a major benefit, as I understand it, this $1. trillion uh, spending bill that has just been sh- shamefully passed by the House and the Senate now is going on to the president's desk, apparently has modifications to our current health program that make it even more restrictive and more difficult to, to uh to navigate. So, uh, so again, help us understand how we can take a look at this option for ourselves here in Florida. Sure. So there's a, a website, dpcfrontier.com. Uh, and, uh, you can go to the mapper feature and you click on that and it'll show you practices in your area. And if you, now that's specifically just for the practice. If you're trying to find coverage options that are compatible, obviously I'm not a financial planner or an insurance agent. So people have to do their own due diocese but um, I'm part of an organization called Docs for the number four Patient Care Foundation. Uh, and if you look that up online, there are a number of videos. If you type my name in, that's been kind of my thing over the years, is looking at how do we make this affordable, combining less expensive coverage with higher quality care. And they actually wrote a piece in townhall.com, which is a news website, several years ago of my first five years of, of experiencing this. I myself see a direct primary care doctor. I got a health sharing ministry, which is an alternative to traditional insurance company. Yeah. And because when I left the hospital, I had to seek out coverage. And I was just aghast when I started looking at the prices of these things. I couldn't believe people had been paying these all these years. And I don't think a lot of people get it from their employer, realize how expensive these, these insurance products are. And, and that when they get it through their employer, isn't the benevolence of their employer. Their employer could have given them that as, as wages, but instead is giving it in an insurance product. But anyway, I looked, and, um, and in the first five years, by combining direct primary care with health ministries, with uh, Samaritan, which is the one I specifically use, I, my family saved $88,000 over the premium of the Obamacare exchange insurance product alone. Wow. Unbelievable. Again, give us which that. If you extrapolate that over a decade, that's a modest house in savings, not of deprivation of care. I'd actually argue we got better care with the DPC. But it's actually just with the with the savings, not rationing care, you know, nothing else, just getting a better price and better quality. Okay, so for our listeners, I might have been fumbling for a pencil when the hair pen when you're giving the sure. websites. Give us those two websites again so we can check it out. Sure. So if you want to find practices like my own, dpcfrontier.com, and there's a mapper link, and it'll bring up a, a you know a, a engageable map so you can move it around and look at wherever you are. And then also the organization that we do educational seminars with, we actually do quite a few in Florida, Docs for Patient Care Foundation. And um, there's, uh, if you look, type in my name under one of the seminars from like 2019 or 2018, um, those seminars I specifically talked extensively about how to, how to merge direct primary care with less expensive coverage products. And, I'm t- you know, it's interesting. They've actually shown that people spend four times as much time researching the purchase of a television than they do their in their health coverage. Yeah, I can believe um, it. But if you if you research that and you do a better job, you could buy a hundred TVs with the savings. Doctor Chad Savage, again, founder of Your Choice Direct Care. 
Doctor, I just really appreciate your commentary here on the show. I hope you and your family have a wonderful Christmas and Happy New Year. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, Merry Christmas, Steve. Thank you so much. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to be visiting with uh, Professor Larry Bell. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Finish what you started with a Hodges University wheel. You can complete your bachelor's degree in as little as one year with your previously earned credits. What's the wheel? It's a customized bachelor's degree in organizational management. Learn about and apply the business, management, and leadership skills you need to advance your career. You can get unmatched educational experience with classes held once a week on campus in Fort Myers, in Port Charlotte, or Naples. You'll be immersed in classes taught by professors with real-world experience in the areas of business, management, and leadership. This degree can be applied to all areas of professional career. Learn more by calling 239-938-7700. That's 239-938-7700. Or visit Hodges.edu. Stay near and go far with Hodges University. Do you suffer from joint pain in your shoulders, hips, or knees? I was suffering from debilitating pain in my knees. On a referral, I saw Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. He successfully treated my symptoms and pain for several months. Finally, having exhausted all alternatives for pain management, Dr. Markovich and I agreed that surgery was my best alternative. Dr. Markovich replaced both of my knees in 2006, and I now have full range of motion in both knees, and I have no pain. I now now play golf and exercise free of debilitating pain in my knees. Don't suffer needlessly with joint pain. Call orthopedic surgeon Dr. George Markovich with the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. He did a great job for me and he'll help you too. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and work, also helping create strategies for people just getting into elected office and to help them to accomplish their goals. Just a terrific organization. I proudly serve on the board, by the way. The website is thefga.org, thefga.org. Well, the U.S. population expanded by 1.2 million people this year with growth largely driven by international migration. I would call it illegal immigration. And the nation now has 333.2 million residents, according to estimates released by the Census Bureau on Thursday. Net international migration, the number of the people moving into the United States minus the number of people leaving was more than 1 million residents from 21 to 22. That represented a growth rate of 168% over the previous year's 376,000 international migrants, with every state gaining residents from abroad, according to the 2022 uh, population estimates. I think a real tribute to <laughs> Biden's spreading these people all over the United States, unfortunately. Uh, natural growth, the number of births minus number of uh, deaths, added another 245,000 people to the total in what was the first year-over-year -year increase in total births since 2007. This year's U.S. annual growth rate of 0.4% uh, was a rebound of sorts from the 0 0.01% uh, growth rate during the worst of the pandemic from 20 to 21, which was the lowest since the nation's founding. So interesting. So Going up, we're starting to see, I would suggest that what we're seeing is uh, more of the uh, uh, natural population here in the United States going down, and what we're seeing probably is the number of illegal immigrants coming up and replacing them, unfortunately. Well, during day two of the Kerry Lake election trial in Phoenix, 
Maricopa County attorney Tom Liddy argued that it was political malpractice for a campaign to tell voters to vote in person on Election Day instead of voting early, and you reap what you sow, meaning that the Lakes campaign lost because its strategy, not because of the printer malfunction error, that rendered the ballots incapable of making machine read, long lines, and led the voters being unable to vote or other uh, malignantly incompetent action on part of the Maricopa County officials. In its closing argument, here's what Liddy said. But those errors, or the mishaps by the machines, if you will, the effect that they had on Election Day voters was compounded, Your Honor, not by intentional misconduct by any employee or anybody under the control of Maricopa County, but by months and months and months of communication from current leadership of the Republican Party and the communication specialists of the Cary Lake for Governor campaign said do not vote early, even if you get an early ballot, don't mail it, Drop it off. Don't drop it off at the drop box, uh, as like in 22,000 mules, but go on election day and vote in person. Now, he is basically slandering her for, for making that kind of recommendation, which, of course, is how we should be voting all the time. And Lord forbid, he continues, don't even put your ballot in the drop box, in the ballot box, or in the drawer number three, because there's something very scary about drawer number three, which is nothing but a ballot box. That's what people all over the world do with their ballots, uh, vote it and stick it in the ballot box. But people were terrorized by an election day. So, you know, as he goes on, what you can see here is that uh, he's basically saying Carrie Lake and her campaign were telling people to vote on Election Day, and that was what caused the problem. Well, it turned out that they had uh, the wrong size paper. Uh, the ballots printed on the wrong size paper so they wouldn't, the machines wouldn't process them. And it's also been revealed now that somebody changed the settings on the machines the morning of Election Day. Can you believe that? So this is all coming out right now. This is coming out in, in Carrie Lake's trial. And uh, she, I think she's basically claiming malpractice and, and fraud. And uh, right now, a lot of the evidence is demonstrating that this is the case. My hope is, as a result of what's going on, we're going to see that uh, the judge requires a new election. Uh, he's not going to declare her the winner, probably. What he should do is say that we're going to just throw away the results from this election. We're going to change who, change who processes. We're not going to allow uh, her, uh, Katie Hobbs to uh, count the votes. We're going to do that with uh, some independent uh, body, and we're going to have a new election and have one. My hope is just do it on Election Day. All right, coming up, we're going to be visiting with Professor Larry Bell, endowed professor at the University of Houston in space architecture. That and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you have questions about your retirement? Ameriprise Private Wealth Advisor Jason Nardella with Nardella Financial Group, a private wealth advisory practice of Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, can help. With the exclusive Confident Retirement Approach, you'll work together to develop a retirement roadmap to get you where you want to go. Call Nardella Financial Group today at 239-325-1041. That's 239-325-1041. Office is located at 9015 Stratistel Court, Suite 103, Naples, Florida. The Confident Retirement Approach is not a guarantee of future financial results. Investment advisory products and services are made available through Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC, a registered investment advisor. Luke Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining to choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit blueprovencenaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's blueprovencenaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. 
Blue Provence French restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Choice Social. Choice Social is a new refreshing social networking platform and you can find out more by visiting the website choicesocial.us we can also download the app at choicesocial.us we have with us uh, dr larry bell endowed professor at the university of houston and space architecture he's also the author of 12 books uh, his latest just fascinating architectures beyond boxes and boundaries my life by design by professor larry bell he also writes a column for Newsmax.com. It's called On Point. Professor, thank you so much for joining us. And Bob, it's always a pleasure and a joy. Thank you so much, and happy holidays. Thank you as well, Professor. So uh, your latest column in Newsmax is Don't Bet Farm on Media Coverage GOP House Probes into Dems. Uh, <laughs> I think that's pretty accurate. Maybe you could tell us about it. Yeah, I've been having... A discussion with lots of my friends, you know, and now with the uh, you know changeover with the House uh, Oversight Committees to Republicans, and uh, I think we're going to see a lot of a lot of uh, dramatic changes in terms of you know in, in the previous you know, couple of years has been all things bad about Trump, you know, in the Capitol six. You know the January six riots and and uh, Trump did this, Trump did that, and so on. And uh, I think we're going to see quite a change in terms of what we're seeing now with the uh, revelations in the Twitter files on FBI, you know, and media collaboration on covering up Hunter's laptop, and, and of course investigations into the origin of, of COVID, which, uh, you know, the, uh, has been passed off as disinformation in the past. And, and it turns out that, uh, basically there's, uh, the notion that it was, uh, created in a wet market rather than a laboratory in Wuhan is, is, uh, becoming apparently fictional and, Attended to that, of course, is uh, Anthony Fauci, Dr. Fauci, and his misstatements to Congress and, and to the American public, and and on and on. There's going to be you know, a lot of investigations, you know, the Afghanistan debacle, how that happened, and and, uh, and so on. And the question is whether the the media will cover any of this. They haven't done so in the past my wife nancy says you know they won't you know she's pretty much given up on this and others seem to think the same but my argument is that uh, there's a lot of really ugly you know salacious stuff that the media hasn't done reporting the legacy media and um uh, I just think it's too too important and too juicy for them to pass up. I just don't think their business models will allow them to forfeit all those eyeballs and ears, you know, that that they need from uh, viewers and listeners. Yeah. So uh, it's it's an open discussion. I I think we're going into unprecedented territory. I do too, Professor. It's it's kind of disheartening. We we have. Uh... Elon Musk reporting, uh, he's had several drops now. I think he's up to eight on uh, what we're calling Twitter files uh, about what's happened with the Hunter Biden laptop and so forth. And the mainstream media, the ABC, CBS, these uh, mainstream media, there's been 14 minutes of coverage over the whole thing. Uh, Throughout all these different media outlets, they just ignore. And it's no wonder when you talk to your friends who are more liberal that they don't know what's going on because it's just not reported in the news. Well, I think the media's got a problem because they're having a harder harder time to deny that they knew all of this. Yeah. Of course, you know, the FBI had the 
had a laptop in their possession for nearly a year. And um, just in the run-up to the 2020 election. And uh, and then they were you know, making the rounds to uh, kind of alert the, the, me- the media. And we know that happened with with uh, Facebook. We know it's happened with Twitter and so on to, to sort of say, hey, there's going to be a Russian disinformation dump and look for it and so on, which is basically uh, alerting them whether they mentioned the laptop specifically. Mm-hmm. That was is pretty implicit that that they were making the rounds uh, to pass this off as disinformation. And uh, so it seemed like it was a, a pretty... And, and, and it's not just 20, 2020, it was also back in, in 2016 mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, really covering up Hillary's uh, email problems and, and the FBI with you know, Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and so on and their love notes back and forth about how they're going to stop Trump from being elected. So this is this is not a new phenomenon. And um, I think the media is having a hard time uh, with plausible deniability that they didn't know about these things. Right. And uh, that's probably part of their reticence. You know, Professor, and, and here's the thing. I mean, even if, for example, there are co- criminal referrals by uh, the committee to uh, the Justice Department, they're, they're, they're not going to take action on this. In other words, my concern is that uh, even, I want to see justice. I would like to see the rule of law applied to everybody, whether you're in the House of Representatives, whether you're the President of the United States, the, the law should apply. My concern is that with uh, the, the Biden administration and with uh, the current uh, de- uh, Attorney General and the uh, FBI, uh, we're probably not going to see, even with criminal referrals, justice applied to uh, Hunter Biden and others. Well, in my view, strategically, it's all about 2024. And uh, and, and strategically, the, the uh, I, th- I think we'll see my and, you know, Homeland Security, I think we'll, we'll probably see an impeachment there and Mm-hmm. And and probably it'll be bi- maybe bipartisan because uh, the Democrats would like to be able to point the finger at somebody, somebody to you know regarding the, the border crisis and and maybe things. But I think the the real strategy is really what the the Democrats did with the, with the two Trump impeachments and the and the and the January sixth stuff was to to really cripple. Um, uh, Trump's election prospects and maybe make him ineligible. So, and on the Republican side, I think it's it's going to be you know plausibly the same strategy, which is you don't want to really get you know Biden out of office because with impeachment because uh, you know it's 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 enough to really indict him and. Yep, connect him to his son's uh, ill affairs, but but it's really to to uh, make him even less palatable as a twenty twenty four candidate. I think I think the Democrats are pretty much stuck with Biden and uh, and and also Kamala, and they they have no bench. So I think the proper strategy is really. To leave him twisting in the wind to 2024 with all this exposure, but not necessarily remove him until uh, we do that by election in 2024. Yeah, so interesting. Again, Professor Larry Bell, uh, again, the latest book, Architectures Beyond Boxes and Boundaries My Life by Design. It's a terrific read. Get a copy on Amazon. Also, author of. Uh, on Point, his column that he writes for Newsmax.com. hope you'll visit that as well. Professor, always appreciate your commentary on the show. I hope you have a great holiday with you and your family. Thanks so much for joining us. And, Bob, same, same to you and your listeners. 
Thank you so much. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I do want to remind you that uh, one of our sponsors, uh, Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center, is now serving dinner, not only great breakfasts and lunches, but also dinner Wednesday through Saturday nights, 4 to 8 p.m. The menu's terrific. They have the same menu as breakfast and lunch, but also add some great salmon, snapper, grouper dishes, comfort food, you name it. It's just uh, a great place to have Breakfast, lunch, and now dinner, Wednesday through Saturday, 4 to 8 p.m. Hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you have a great Christmas and a great holiday. Uh, really appreciate your listening in on the show. Uh, if you enjoyed, I hope you'll tell your friends. And I uh, hope that it's a spirit-filled Christmas and a wonderful, wonderful time to uh, renew. I hope you make it a great day and weekend on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs> so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.